Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. This is 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your host, Andrew, and my good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm doing great. I felt I almost uh, just kept the music just way high on you and yeah. just made you yell over it. Yeah. I mean, I mess up your outro with regularity it, very I'm, deliberately I'm, too very de- yeah. i'll look at you and i'll see like the twinkle in your eye yeah. you see yeah. it you see the like the little brothery i got this i know what to do right now <laughs> and i i intervened in my own intro this week so yeah <laughs> sort of you won't hear it but i squeaked my chair during our period of silence uh yeah yeah no i'm good uh tuesday night it's been a, it's already feel like uh God, it's been a fucking week a, f- <laughs> a five-day week but yeah. uh yeah no i'm good I'm good. How about you? Uh, I'm living in a hotel right now. My house is listed. So rather than try to keep it museum quality with two kids and two dogs, we said impossible. Fuck it. And we're living in a hotel for the week. We had our first showing tonight about 20 minutes after we left <laughs> and about 40 minutes after the house went fully live. Yeah, that's crazy. It's nuts. And what's I, I'm regretting now, and I'm going to go home on my way to back to the hotel and fix this. I didn't turn on my interior blink camera. Oh, sure. I disconnected it because I felt kind of weird having it on. And then today, when there were people in my house, I felt weird not having it on. So I'm going to be turning it on tonight. And so you can watch people. I just want to hear what they have to say. And if they start talking shit, I'm going to come over the speaker and be like, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) I built that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, part of it is I don't really want to hear what they have to say because so much of the house is stuff that I've done. Yeah, right. This is like spying on your children's text messages or whatever, right? Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> I don't want that. They're just never going to have cell phones. Not even going to burners. They're going to like get pagers. At best. I don't know if you can even buy pagers anymore. So you're in a hotel. Yeah, for, we're in a for hotel. At least, for at least a few days. Uh, yeah, we're going to go back home Friday. So the goal is to, or no, the plan as it sits, we're going to stop accepting offers Friday at noon and let someone buy our house. I went by your new house. I went by your new house earlier today and there was people, uh, or yesterday, I guess, and there was people moving out of it. Good. Yeah. Scram. <laughs> GTFO. That's that's good news because we've been a little concerned with a contingent offer that we're going to get bumped, but. Yeah. Uh, you'll have to tell me more about that because I'm curious how that would work. But yeah, it no, I think. catastrophic and very sad. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly for you guys. <laughs> I'd be pretty yeah. bummed. I'd be pretty bummed. Well, uh. We, we we probably should get moving today because I we think, we I think we're going to go long. I think I we're so. going to go long because I think the I think the guys who are as of yet muted but on the other uh, end of the Skype call are going to be pretty interesting to talk to. Uh, and and for those of you who have not read, not done your due diligence, and are just blind playing forty and twenty episodes at two x speed to catch up, <laughs> we have got we've got some uh, some fun guests. We've got. Steve and Josh Romer of the Swiss Watch Company. Steve and Josh, how are you guys? Doing good. Thanks. Doing good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, being willing to join in in the shenanigans. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us a little bit about yourselves. Give us like the elevator pitch, who you are, what you do. Okay. So so I'll give... uh... I'll give my quick version because mine mine is a lot less uh, exciting and exotic than my dad's. So I uh, graduated college. Uh, I mean, obviously, I grew up with watches because of my dad, and he'll he'll get into more of his history and watches. Uh, decided 
graduated in business. I was working in a, a sales job, wasn't super happy and uh, wanted to get involved with what my dad was doing. Came down, uh, got involved and the diver, it, we weren't really, so my dad was more focused on manufacturing watches for other micro brands, which we still do. So the, as far as our own watch line, that wasn't really a thing, but he had a, a very, very uh, dated sample of the diver you guys have on hand. And I took it and took some pictures, started an Instagram account, and that is how we got started. He always wanted to do his own watch brand. He, he did watches for the armed forces back in the 90s, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily like a Swiss watch company watch where we're selling directly to consumer. So uh, through the power of social media, uh, we were able to do it without crazy budget. And uh, here we are today. You, you were the guy at the top of the hill pushing the, the medium-sized snowball. Yes, yes. And, and we, we are currently, just so you know, on top of an actual hill. So if you, if you could see my parents' house, you can see it from no matter where you are in our town. It's, uh, it's right on top of a hill. And so, and so you guys live in Nevada about an hour outside of Vegas in the middle of nowhere, as you've described it. And you live in the same town. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I work here. Uh, the the basement of my parents' house is pretty much That's his office. Yeah, it's, it's dedicated SWC. He confiscated it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I did. So my brought his cats, too. <laughs> yeah, we there, there's a cat and uh, it, it's a great it's a great space. And so I work here. Uh, but my wife and kids, me, my wife and kids, we live more in town. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're really, it's, it's in the middle of nowhere. So a lot of times I'll tell people I'm from a small town and people say like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm from a small town too. And they'll, they'll bring up uh, a town with, uh, more than 10,000 people. And that's just, <laughs> it's just, it's so much more than that. Uh, we are, we're really, we're not a suburb. It's, it's actually the middle of nowhere. I, I post, I post stories to our Instagram frequently of our view and it's it's really just it's just desert there's nothing around us so when you say you live in town you mean you can like throw rocks toward your neighbor's property yeah so and that's another thing (laughs) i didn't realize that was confusing until because we're so used to it i was i was texting mike and uh for mike's got watches and i was saying like my parents live out of town and i live in town and where it's the same town, but there's like a, a hub of a, like a, a lot of houses in our town. And then there's everything out of town, which is it's, it's farm country. So it's mm-hmm. really spread out. So everything that's around the school is in town. And then about a hundred yards past that is out of town. So that's, that's uh, pretty much where we live. It's, it's, it's exactly how you would expect it to be. And to Mike, that's like, townhouses versus like small front yard that's in town versus out of town yeah yeah it's it's not quite like that it's it's very it's very unique there uh, there are no party wall easements there are no party wall easements no yeah no 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 hoa none of that that doesn't exist out here does not exist you can do whatever you want two o'clock in the morning outside okay yeah, yeah. The, the the difference between I'm intrigued. Like, a, yeah. So yeah, f- firearms are fine. In fact, it, you could take you could take uh, 
I gun and shoot it off my parents' deck right now. The 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 closest thing, if you were to go uh, west off my parents' deck, you would hit Area 51 before you hit anything else. That's that's the nearest civilized structure the, uh, <laughs> west of my parents. So is it is, is it a shorter drive to go to a movie theater or to buy Tannerite? That's the that's the real question. It's it's about equal. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> it's it's about equal. <laughs> so you have to choose. So that's rural. <laughs> it's five years since I've been to a movie theater. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the only thing we really have here, we have a gas station. There's a little grocery store. But yeah, no, no Walmart, no movie theater. It's that's it. Like it's 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 all we have. But uh, yeah, we're all about Tanner, right? So okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah you li- you live in you live in the desert, right? And how did you land yeah. out there? So that would be more of a question for my dad and just how he ended up in the United States in general. Because, okay. well, yeah, because he's he still has a green card. He's he's not even American. Well, well, so let's do it. Let's Steve, <laughs> let's 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 do a little bit of a reverse chronology here, because you, you're All here. Right. You're here today primarily as uh, as the owner founder of Swiss Watch Company. Uh, so let's talk a little bit yes. about that Swiss Watch Company, what it is in its current iteration. Then we can talk about what Swiss watch company was in its, in its past life and, and maybe still current life, because I think that there might be some overlap there. And then, and then at some point we're going to have to, we're going to have to dive back uh, more years than that, I think, because the story is pretty interesting. Okay. Uh, the current, uh, the current business of Swiss watch company now is Joshua is keeping us rather busy. We've come out now with, uh, with two model families so first the diver's watch, which went really well, and then uh, came along with the sports watch, and that went well. And uh, sorry, there's three model families, and now we're right. we we just came out with the field watch. Yeah, and we didn't think it would do uh, phenomenal, and uh, that one was just uh, it was just incredible it how, real, how real it went surprise. how it went ahead. You guys didn't think the field watch was going to be successful. Not like it was. Not like that. Yeah. You, you like know, that. when no. I when I look at your when I look at your watches, I look at that bunker and I think, man, mm-hmm. man, really cool, yeah. <laughs> really cool. So oh, I think we, I, I look I look at the I look at the collection and I think, well, they have an easy one, the the field watch because that's just universally appealing. Uh, and, and then they've got some some funky stuff too. So, uh, but you guys had you guys had a little bit different idea about what would be what. Yeah, there's, you know, we, I've been doing work for other companies, uh, OEM for how long now, 20, 25 years and, uh, doing our own things. I don't, I don't like to copy other brands. Uh, if it's a small brand or a big brand or just no interest in doing that. So if it's on the technical side, if it's on technical and, and design side, we, we want to be original with everything that we're doing or as original as you can be. So the uh, with with the field watch, we, we brought in a lot of technical aspects that were up to date, never seen. And, uh, you know, with the with the AR coding that we have, it's uh, as well as with the loom. And we'll uh, we'll bring in some crazy, crazy things that uh, 
haven't been seen in the watch industry yet with uh, with additional uh, lines that were going to come out this year as well. So we're looking forward. Josh is really excited about everything, and uh, yeah. we'll see uh, we'll see how it's going to go. Steve, yeah, I'm, I'm, sure I'm noticing uh, I'm noticing an early trend, which is that you uh, you you like to put things on Josh. He's keeping you busy. He's excited. <laughs> just, we don't need to comment on it yet. I'm just I'm just pointing it out for for posterity. <laughs> it works well that way. It, it works well that way. It's it's a good balance. It's a good balance. I, I would show you guys the the bunker, but uh, because of the aforementioned loom, when I put my kids to bed, it's. Uh, it, it never doesn't end up in one of their hands as they're going to bed. So they they currently have mine right now. <laughs> That's great, right? Um, it, so the the website's saying twenty layers, and yes, not to get too far off track before we before we just continue where we're going. But what's an industry standard in in the way of layering for uh, layers? Supernova? About three to five is industry standard. Holy shit. <laughs> And so we, four uh, times more. We, we uh, so yeah. you have about point zero five to point one millimeters height. That's that's about standard. Yeah, it's kind of funny when we uh, uh, YouTubers when they when they test our our field against a Rolex, a Tudor, or a uh, a uh, any of them them high end, and uh, we always beat them. So it's it's nice to see those results a little bit. But hey. <laughs> We want to we want to be able to offer something that you know is not necessarily the standard. So that's that's and Joshua does a good job uh, marketing it. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, and and this is a good segue, Steve, because I've read uh, and I read an interview with you earlier, and I've heard you guys on Love and Watches and uh, just you know doing our research thing and and sort of trying to meet you guys a little bit before we meet you. But you talk you you in particular, Steve, talk about watches in a, a little bit of a dialect that is surprising to me, I think, because we don't hear it a lot. You know, I think we talk to a lot of micro brands at 40 and 20, primarily talking to brand owners who are folks like us, right, with a consumer-first experience to watches, uh, knowledge about what watches look like and what's good about watches, but not perhaps a real specific industry experience you talk about you know a plus watches and uh a plus loom and a minus or or b plus specifications and these are this is phrasing that i'm not real familiar with but i've heard you describe your loom as perhaps a plus and, and your watches as b plus and, and can you get into that a little bit and, and then maybe we segue into your your specific industry experience Okay, the 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 Swiss watch industry is is uh, partitioned into about four different seg uh, uh, slices. So you have A, A plus, A minus, which is which is one you could throw in basically every brand that sells over three thousand dollars, and then you have the B plus line that goes with brands from about five hundred to about two thousand dollars. So Tissot would probably be the number one brand. In that in that area, you have you have other smaller ones, uh, Maurice Lacroix. Uh, you have uh, Certina. You have Hamilton. That's in there as well. And then you have the 
the lower end Victor Inox is uh, is one of the on, on the lower side and they they retail uh, somewhere from a hundred to four hundred dollars they might go a little bit higher as well but uh, and then you have then you have the junk on the which you can buy the junk on uh, Alibaba. You can also buy the junk in Switzerland if you want. But uh, uh, <laughs> nobody, nobody that that is listening to this podcast probably would be interested in in stopping at a at an airport shop where you can buy two for ten dollars. I mean, that's 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 not something we do. But uh, you know, there's a market for it. So you, you know, not? you'd you'd be surprised. Some of our listeners, that... I've, I've done some things <laughs> when I save more money than I spend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that's that's actually the first time that anyone's ever described that system to me, uh, and, and perhaps I've read about it and, and glossed over it or whatever, but that it's interesting, right? It's in, It's an interesting way to think about watches, too, because I think a lot of times we describe watches in these sort of vague but profound feeling, you, you know, brand A is as good as brown, brand B, yeah. uh, or, you, you know... Brand A is better in, in X regard than B. Uh, it, it, it's interesting to think, well, there's actually some really uh, uh, really entrenched standards for these things. There is. There's industry norms. And if you put a watch in front of me, I could just just alone by looking at it uh, with a with a micro or a, a, a loop magnification glass sorry sometimes my uh, my swiss comes comes forward here and uh let it rip I'd be able yeah. to tell you <laughs> where in which segment this this brand is it's it's uh you know once you've been in the in the industry for about 40 years it's 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 second nature what's the one thing to look for when you're when you put a loop on a dial of a watch what are you looking at to to grade effectively a watch Initially, uh, I always look at the finish mm -hmm. of the the case as well as uh, you know you can look at the finish of the crown as well, case back, uh, how it feels. Uh, you can tell quite rapidly uh, what kind of a manufacturing plant that that uh, part was was made. It's it's quite uh, self-explanatory. And in that, you're looking at the crispness of the lines between. Uh, between texture changes, you're looking at just the the actual grain of the metal that's coming out. I, I just kind of want to pull out a little bit more detail from Correct. there. Correct. So the if if you look at some up to a certain uh, dollar amount in the industry, you're looking at uh, it's it's not welcome that you have crisp corners that they, they are considered to be sharp uh, and and causing uh, discomfort. And then when you get into the high end, uh, a Rolex and Omega, their, uh, their edges are rather crisp, but they're mm -hmm. so uniform crisp that when you look at one edge, every single one looks exactly the same. Mm, okay. And that's that then and that's challenging to do uh if you if you're in the industry where you say okay you can you can take the bracelet off and you can look at any any edge that is covered by the bracelet or by the leather strap it's all the same it's uniform wherever you look at and that's challenging there's there's not that many manufacturers that can achieve that kind of detail hmm. so 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 that's that's great and, and 
And I think this is probably a good time for for us to talk a little bit about your pre-Swiss watch company experience then, uh, because I, I do want to know more about the uh, I do want to know more about the connections to to law enforcement or, or, or uh, military and, and first responders. But you got started in, in Swatch Company, I yes, believe, yeah. in the 70s. In the 80s. In the 80s. Okay, 80s. I'm sorry. 1980. I'm really sorry, Steve. The 70s were just over, okay? Uh, <laughs> Switzerland, we go to school only nine years for high school, so and elementary school, not 12 years. So I, uh, I uh, from 1980 to 1995, I worked for the Swatch Group. Uh, the most of it for ETA in movement manufacturing uh, were we, uh, I was, I was, for about three years, I was quite involved in the, in, in, in the manufacturing process of the Swatch watch when it first came out. I remember I was uh, working in the assembly for the, the female line and uh, it had a different construction than the male Swatch watch. And it was uh, back then, if a watch didn't pass all of the quality requirements, you throw it away. So we, we made a habit of, we threw away every second or third only, and the other ones we took home because it passed 20 meters ATM instead of the 30. So we just took it. And uh, I by the time I quit with that department, I think I had about two or 300 watches lined up. Uh, on the bottom of my floor, it was just, it was just, it, it was crazy. It was, you know, crazy. I suspect you couldn't get away with that kind of thing today. <laughs> oh no, no, it is so heavily guarded now. I mean, there's, first of all, you can't even get in back then. It was quite, uh, quite lax, but, uh, nowadays it's, uh, it's, uh, those, those secrets are, are kept quite, uh, quite heavily there and they're, they're well guarded. Well, and, and a lot of that, it was in, uh, Thailand, right? Yeah, I worked seven years in Thailand after that for manufacturing of uh, movements as well, as well as watch assembly and manufacturing and quality assurance for uh, companies that work for the Swatch Group. Uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you'd think certain companies wouldn't be that excited to tell you that they're manufacturing dials in, uh, in Thailand or in China, but... Omega is one of them. Okay. Yeah. We, we, we like to share cause I was born in Thailand and people here swatch group. And I mean, it's not something they advertise obviously, yeah. but, uh, yeah, for a lot of it, we, we lived in Thailand for all he was working for swatch group. So there's, there's the, the, the vast portion of Swiss brands. They, uh, Thailand is a big hub for dial manufacturing because yeah. apparently their eyesight is uh, on the top of the world. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we took advantage of that. At one point, I was responsible for well over a thousand people uh, just you know doing assembly assembly work. So it was it was fun, but uh, after seven years, it was time to leave. And so, and so the the way you've told this story, uh, I have a I have a suspicion that you were working primarily with quartz movements. Yes, correct. Yeah, in the assembly, in the watch assembly, we did some mechanical as well, but the vast majority was quartz because from 1980, when the uh, when the revolution came of the quartz movement, the, the Swiss were lagging behind the Japanese yeah. quite a bit. 
Yeah. And uh, and it was not in anymore to have mechanical movements. It was in to have a thin, thin watch. How did that feel from inside the industry to see this quartz tsunami coming down on you and seeing the the watch world overturn? Because we've talked, I mean, we've talked ad nauseum about the quartz crisis, but we've never had the chance to talk to somebody who was who was there in the thick of it. What was that like to see that? I mean, to see the writing on the wall like that. It was it was stressful. I mean, you didn't walk down a manufacturing line without knowing exactly why you were walking there. Uh, if you were just taking a break or doing something wrong, uh, anybody from human resources, they would just send you the letter to say, OK, we don't need you anymore. I mean, it was stressful. Uh, they didn't have the the cash flow anymore to take care of all the the employees that that were required for the mechanical movements mm-hmm. and they they needed excuses to get rid of a lot of them and we we worked on furlough for i think three or four months i was on furlough myself wow. uh first i mean it was you you made sure at all times you were right there doing what you had to do you know our very our very last episode uh, that we recorded last week was about the Valju at a seventy seven fifty and the mm-hmm. and the Lamagna fifty one hundred and we we you know as we do we don't we don't know anything about anything right so we spend you know between one and eight hours researching for an for an episode and then we make up the rest. Uh, uh, but you know, I think part of our episode was this vignette about Edmund Capt showing up in a, in a hoodie and, uh, you know, and with us, with a joint behind his ear, uh, presenting these preserved 7750 dies or whatever at, at a board meeting. It also makes but, it way more believable that he just left with all the dyes and everything after you telling the story of having 300 watches. <laughs> like, oh, no, that's definitely what happened. You, you know, but there's a context yeah. there, right? You, it, It's interesting. We didn't we didn't anticipate this portion of our interview uh, when we talked last week. But there's this there's this very real thing that was happening, right, where it's it's a little bit on everybody's uncertain everybody's nervous nobody knows what's going to happen tomorrow so in yes. you know in whatever 75 they shit can the 7750 and then 83 it's it's back and we need to get going you, you know that's the environment you're talking about working in correct yeah so what i what we experienced back then i mean right now it's it's condensed quite a bit and there's it is very tense right now in Switzerland as well because of COVID and uh, because people are not, you know, they're not buying the three to five to ten thousand dollar watches anymore. They're right. just not doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, there's a lot of companies that are going out of business because of it because they just they just can't carry it. They have inventory one year, two years, plus some even up to three years of inventory, and uh, yeah. You, you you passed the test with the banks because you can say that you have inventory, but uh, at one time you have to start selling something, and it's it's just not happening right now. Yeah, yeah. sitting on inventory and, is expensive. <laughs> well, well and, and do you do you suspect? I, I don't want to get us too far off off of target here, but do you suspect that that is purely uh, just general market feeling, or is there? Uh, is there a thing happening here that that's more sort of micro level? Uh, are guys like you 
uh, Josh and Steve, are you disrupting the industry in any sort of real <laughs> sense? Uh, and I say that obviously with tongue in cheek a little bit, but it does yeah. seem to me like we're in a bit of a situation here. And I don't, I'm not saying situation yes. as a pejorative. There's a thing happening in our mm-hmm. industry, in this watch industry. It, is, are those things playing into that? They, they are somewhat. I mean, our business plan was always very, very disciplined in the price structure and in what we offer in quality with that, which uh, we want to be able to give value that uh, that will carry over, not just once you purchased it, but th- that you can sell your your product as well if wanted. And that's mm-hmm. that's challenging in the industry nowadays to do that. Secondly, uh, the there are so many brands that that started in uh, 10 15 years ago and that thought well the best place to sell watches is in the 1500 to about $5000 and uh, it just saturated that market in Switzerland by and uh, that there's only so many watches that can be sold in that price segment and mm-hmm. and because of that right now there's a uh, there's definitely uh, some uh, brands that are going away or just discontinuing or selling or whatever, but the market is thinning out right now because of all of that. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's tough to see that, but uh, we saw it in the 1980s. The first thing that goes when something happens is the jewelry sector. And it's the last thing that will, that will ramp up again. And uh, you can, you can gauge that by Gillette. Okay. If Gillette is starting to do good again, you can start shaving again, okay? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's good. I like that. This is like the the Big Mac dollar standard, right? The- <laughs> yeah. You get two for six right now. So, <laughs> so all that, I, I want to, I, I hate to pivot so quickly because there's so much more to talk about here, but I want to talk about how you got to where you are a Swiss watch company today. I want to I want so you, I want to hear that journey that led us to today and then I want to spend some time talking about today. Okay. Uh well 1995 we left Thailand and the Swatch group and with that uh coming to the states uh well the only thing I was able I knew how to do was watches so I started to design a our, our first watch that was uh, to be uh, sold to the Marine Corps. And we visited the Marine Corps and they said, it's way too big. It's just too expensive. You'll never sell it. And uh, we had a, a very happy Sergeant Major in the base in San Diego that was, uh, you know, Sergeant Majors, you, you don't argue with those guys. They're, they're unpleasant just, people. Yeah, they're <laughs> unpleasant. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he took a liking to us, and uh, he said every Wednesday when they got their haircuts, uh, they had to line up and look at our display. And he said, I'll make sure they'll buy your watches. So, <laughs> like, and, and they did, apparently. So, and they did. They did. I mean, it was not something that uh, that was forced on them, but... Uh, uh, Oh, we, uh, Steve, we made I, it wasn't I exactly it. not forced it, it on them. It was forced either. on them. <laughs> 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 Just a couple prior service guys. It was forced on them. Uh, so, so was that business model? You were, you were, um, producing direct to consumer specifically built for Marines watches. Yes. 
how many yeah. what, how many lines were you producing at that point or how many models we, finally we ended up in a, with about seven or eight lines that mm-hmm. we had for the for the marine corps and then we we had some lines for the army uh, we had some lines for the air force and then something horrible happened called attorneys that uh, demanded licensing and uh, uh, they said you have to list all your components and we have the right to go and visit all those manufacturers and uh, you know Switzerland will not give you the right to go and visit them you know yeah. the swatch group says hey pound sand yeah no the good luck okay <laughs> US government contracting <laughs> is a nightmare <laughs> yeah. so yeah. China took over I think so <laughs> and and I can say I can attest to the fact that attorneys are the actual worst yes yeah yeah they are they're not great <laughs> So, so, so the bottom kind of falls out then, huh? Well, the bottom fell out with with that with that business. Uh, we were we do, we did that for about ten years, rather successfully, and then uh, we started doing OEM for other companies as well, uh, and that went rather well. I mean, we we I think now we're we have somewhere around fifteen or so companies that buy merchandise through us. Uh, complete watches, uh, and some were big, rather big companies, and others were were smaller companies. The vast majority is small companies because they are they uh, they don't have the experience, and they need somebody in there that will do them right for what they want to do. And we want to we want every micro brand to be successful. I mean, we are in the same industry. There's no competition, or you know, it, it's I don't feel like uh, if you buy his watch, then you will not buy my, my watch. That's, that's, that's yeah. not, that's not our philosophy. No. When you're dealing in runs of 500, a thousand at best, uh, you're, you're not really, you're not really stealing a huge chunk of the market yeah. enough to like you, anyone stealing from you. So it's, it's, I hope no micro brand has that. I don't think they do. We, we all, all the owners I've talked to, uh, we get along really well because I think most realize that. Uh, because it's just that there's so many people and so few, well, there's a lot of micro brands, but so few micro brands that uh, are established to the point where they have multiple pieces out. It seems like there's a new one every day and there probably is that it's just, it's not worth the time to compete with each other uh, outside of the fact of try and improve on what each other is doing, but direct competition, it, it just doesn't make sense in the micro brand space. If anything, uh, the focus should be competing with the bigger brands and offering uh, better value. And as you said, disrupting the industry, uh, that that should be the focus of micro brands. Yeah, yeah, you know, I love that all, sentiment. All, all the owners we've ever talked to, I don't think I've ever once gotten the sense that there was any of that, right? Any of that sort of yeah. cold-blooded... Yeah, I have yet to run in. So yeah, yeah, no, it's it, it's, it's, it's and and you guys are not the only micro brand that we've talked to that has dabbled in in the OEM world either. I think that there's a really sort of genuine uh, feeling that more is just more, uh, e- even if some of the consumers get grumpy about all the new watches or whatever, right? You, you know, which is a weird thing to get grumpy about. But yeah, we we've like I don't. Dwellers. Right, like dwellers. I, I can't think of a single time we've ever run into any sort of that person is going to take away from my sales sentiment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. It's it's if anything, it's a. Uh, I'm sure 
we've I know we've introduced some customers to the microbrand space, and it it honestly helps. It's in every microbrand's best interest for people to get into microbrands because once you buy one, you're going to realize uh, that they do offer a lot of value, and you're likely to look at others. So. We, we've gotten a lot of customers to where we weren't their first microbrand. So we owe we owe all of that and this market to each other. So the better microbrands can do as a whole, the worst thing for a microbrand is for another microbrand to fail because mm-hmm. it makes people wary of the space. Mm-hmm. And it's already there's already reason uh, for people to be concerned getting into a new microbrand. Uh, there's there's plenty of examples out there of of uh failed Kickstarter attempts or, or successful Kickstarter attempts that then failed later down the road. Uh, so there, there's already more than enough to make people think twice about getting into microbrands. So the best thing for microbrands is for others to succeed. So that's that's always our goal. And I, as far as I can tell, talking to others, uh, I'm, I'm good friends with a lot of other microbrand owners. And I don't think, I don't know that that exists in many other industries. No, I, I'd, I'd say that it doesn't because so much of it is it's a it's a, a, a kind of fixed pie industry, whereas I, I kind of see the, the micro watch world as, as filling this void that luxury watches, you can have one and that's years yeah. of saving and it it might be exactly that one watch that you want, but it's not a dozen watches. And we, yeah. we we talk about this all the time. That's that was the reason we we started this podcast is we wanted people to, we wanted watches to be accessible to the normal dude who wants to be a discerning uh, a discerning consumer to say, look, this this is going to give you relatively the same value. And we've done a lot of side by sides with with very expensive watches to to well done micro watches, and the difference is there. But it's not much, and, and we no, we yeah. have yet to be able to say that the difference in in the way tangibly is worth the dollar value difference. And we talked about this what three weeks ago, or so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, yeah, I I mean, think... we, we as consumers make the value. The yeah. the value doesn't necessarily come from the watch. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think uh, the fact that you see some some larger brands now kind of adopting the micro brand marketing model. Yeah. You've, you've yeah. even seen some show up on Kickstarter shows that, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it's something I think they're starting to realize that it is a valuable space, which should be encouraging to all micro brands out there. I know a lot of people get upset when they see these bigger brands kind of encroaching on the space, but all that means is that we're on the right track. It's mm-hmm. working. And that's what yeah, it means. Yeah, it's working. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> Disruption it's, engaged. It's, it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you, you know, uh, I, I think, I think it bears sort of emphasizing though, that, um, there's something real happening in, in the industry. And, and, you know, I'm, I sort of said this tongue in cheek earlier, right. The, about disrupting the industry, but there's really actually something tangible happening in the, in the market, which I don't have my finger on quite yet. And, um, you, you know, I think we're going to see this play out. And I think in 30 years, we'll be able to look back and talk about what happened in a more concrete way. Who knows where it goes from here, right? Steve was talking about, well, there's all this stock in that $1,500 to $5,000 watch space. We've got backup stock and and who knows, right? Who, who knows what happens and economies go up and down and, and 
and people's buying tastes go up and down. But yeah, there's something there is something to to this. So I I think we probably transition a little bit to to the development of the modern iteration of Swiss Watch Company. Uh, again, Steve sort of pinning blame, I think, on Josh, perhaps, uh, <laughs> you, you know, for getting the ball rolling. But I, based on the way I read the story, it sounds like Steve had designed a watch. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he had the diver. I I can't think off the top of my head where that design came from. You had it. He had it for a long time. I had it for some time, yes. And then uh, after that, the uh, second watch was uh, took took about the sports watch took about a year to design and then another year to get rid of all of the complications that we that we had because of using new uh, materials and uh, then the the field watch that didn't take too too long yeah that that one where with the sport watch uh, we we focus more on pushing the design uh the field watch, we focus more on pushing the specs and then keeping to a traditional design. And the diver, uh, it's it's pretty it's pretty heavily based on one of the Marine Corps watches, right? There, there's some similarities. Uh, there's there's that some, not, not not that many, not that many. There's some similarities. I mean, divers watch. If, if you yeah. see one, then you then you then you can qualify that it is a divers watch. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And but, there's, uh, there's still a lot of, uh, if you go on, I, I guarantee if you go on eBay right now, there will be, uh, SWC Marine Corps watches for, for on, on eBay or, or firefighter watches. Oh, I, I like it. Every time I've checked, they've been there. there. There's a lot of them. How, how many are there out there floating oh, around? There's, uh, for the Marine Corps, we probably manufactured somewhere around 30, 30 plus thousand watches for them. Oh my God. So uh, they, uh, we, we had a good Sergeant Major, okay? As I say, you know, <laughs> he was nice. <laughs> you know, when a re recruit sees a Sergeant Major and he probably only sees one or two in his lifespan, okay? He will, uh, first of all, he'll shake because he'll probably be more scared yeah. of seeing a Sergeant Major than a general. You, you know, in general doesn't do that much harm. <laughs> uh, you, you know, uh, there was so so I, I went to uh, a basic training camp at, at some point, and there's drill sergeants, and they're they're drill sergeants, right? Uh, you, you, you know, uh, they wear these really particular hats. We call them round browns. Uh, and and there's a certain evocative sensation uh, that is very deeply instilled in you over the course of those several weeks that you spend with that person as your best friend. Uh, and, and I, I can, not your best friend. <laughs> <laughs> I can remember a period probably no, no fewer than 18 months after that experience being in a, I was at a Burger King. I was at a Burger King in California and just in civilian clothes, not working, uh, and in walks a group of three drill sergeants wearing, wearing round browns, and they oh, take them off, and they hold heart. them in their hand. <laughs> and I had this, like, <laughs> this visceral, right? So so when you tell the story about the 30,000 watches, I picture this T-shirt I saw once that had the picture of the pyramids, and it said, slavery gets shit done, right? It's like, <laughs> yeah, you, you guys sold 30,000 watches, right? Uh-huh. This is a sergeant major. That's, yeah, it, yeah. 
<laughs> Nobody was forced to do anything, right, Steve? No, no, no. <laughs> they got their hair cut and their picture, and right after that, they looked at the watch and, and said, okay, you're going to graduate exactly in four not. weeks. What do you want? And were they, was, was it called, uh, was it still Swiss Watch Company at that time? Yes. So yeah. if I'm going to, if I'm going to eBay search it, it's going to be yeah. Swiss Watch Company Marine Corps Watch if, or if you SWC. If on eBay, just search Marine Corps Watch. Mm-hmm. And the only place Swiss Watch Company was written is on the case back, right? Correct. It's, it's yeah. not on the dial. We mm-hmm. were not allowed to have any branding on the dial. That was that was a no-no. So there was so all Eagle Globe Anchor watches. on the dial. Okay. So, yeah, if if the pictures include a picture of the case back, you'll be able to see. But, yeah, if you just search uh, Marine Corps Watch, uh, they'll they'll be on there. Because there's, there's quite a few floating around. Or firefighter. There's not as many firefighter watches, but... Uh, by far, there there should every time I've checked, there there's been some on there, and we still have some uh, in inventory. We're just not allowed to sell them. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna say, how much do you want for them? Uh, I think I found one. What, what is this? Uh, is this what we're looking at? Is that one of yours? No, that's not one of ours. Oh, but okay. they copied our design, basically. Oh, those bastards! It's a. It's a they. Everybody back in those days, the, the logo, the insignia, the, it, it, it took out the whole space of the watch. And uh, we started doing it small on top. And then on below center, we, we wrote down the U.S. Marines. And uh, they, they really took a liking. We kicked out Seiko. Seiko was a big seller back then. Uh, they sold 30,000 watches. And then uh, uh, well, we took their spot and we were, we were happy for... Yeah, 10, 12 years. And then when the attorneys came, we were miserable again. So <laughs> we're bringing the new guy. That'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit about your design. You know, we've spent a couple of weeks here with the with the Mark II Diver. Um, okay. And and I I don't have experience with the other watches in your catalog, but but I've I've certainly experienced them through Instagram or whatever. You know, when I look at the Mark II Diver, really, it, it's not like any other watch. I think in 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 a lot of ways, it's not like any other watch I've ever used. I, I do think that there's you know knowing now that you spent a big portion of your career in uh, Swatch Group. I think that there are some Swatch Group feels. Mm-hmm. I get one looking at oh, this yes, watch. Oh yes, there is. Yes, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, yeah. It, it, which is not to say it's an homage of anything because I don't think it is, but. Um, there's some feels. Let's talk about your design. What are your design keys? Your design uh, emphases, as it were. What are you What are you trying to do when you're designing a watch? Well, with 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 the divers watch, the number one thing is that it has to be uh, viable for, uh, I'd say, up to about twenty years. Uh, so, if we sold a watch in 1996, we still get those watches back now for servicing from the Marine Corps. And, uh, you know, if you look at the back, you cannot even read the insignia anymore or the, the engraving on the case back. It's all gone. It's, uh, but the, those guys, they will, uh, you know, always faithful, I guess. So, yeah, we actually have a video, uh, on our YouTube channel of us servicing a watch that was sold back in the nineties. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it was a firefighter watch. It might've been a Marine Corps watch, but, uh, yeah, we still service them. Uh, for people who send them in, you didn't sell any cop watches, so, did you? Uh, only a few, not that many. Only a few. It was it it was a market that 
was riddled with uh, with unions and with uh, Weird. jewelry shops and and so forth that uh, we didn't so, have a sergeant major. We we, we, we <laughs> fair enough. Yeah, that was that that sergeant major was missing. Yeah, that was there's missing. no such thing in the police force because they all have unions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. So you've got a YouTube video of you servicing so, a 90s sold watch, which is impressive. Yeah, we so the main the main focus is that we that we uh as I said, the norm for for layering of uh of superluminova is three to five. And uh we we figured fiddled around with uh with a dial manufacturer for a good portion of a year, maybe even longer than that, to say, okay, we want to up that to uh, make sure that the the thickness of it is at least 0.3 millimeters thick, and it's, it's just it's just not possible to do that. So we we went over it and over it and over again with them, and finally they uh, they they were able to uh, yeah succeed with it, and uh, with that we uh, we 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 launched the watch. Uh, and and now the second the second the mark two and the main thing was okay we want to be able that when you recognize when you see your watch when you look at it daytime or nighttime it's always a different experience it's a new experience it's something okay you, you don't want to lose that wow factor mm-hmm. i i, I want to make sure that that wow factor stays there when you when you when you put it on did you run into issues getting clearance for your hands with that much loom caked onto the no. dial no no because uh no that was never an issue because uh your hour hand doesn't sweep over the the indexes mm-hmm. uh, so it's yeah you your minute hands a, a millimeter or so mm-hmm. up yeah the minute hand is a little bit higher than that correct so we, we 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 don't have that issue uh but yeah so we we did that and we applied the same uh, structure then to to the field watch uh and uh because of that yeah we were rather successful with it yeah it it, it looks like the indices are applied on the bunker and and even on the mark ii but they're yeah. not they're just just loom that was the first thing that struck me when i when i saw this in person i was like holy cow this this is loom Right. <laughs> yes, I like, I complain so regularly about not enough loom. Yeah, crappy loom or just on, not enough loom. Yeah. And, and I I have no need for loom because when, when I work, I I wear a G Shock. I because I need loom on demand. This this is loom on demand. <laughs> yeah. This is like I, I feel like this would never run out. So the bunker would be a perfect fit for you because it yeah. uh, it actually weighs. If it's on the nylon strap, it weighs less than a G-Shock square by a few grams. Wow, wow! And it's I mean so it's, it's titanium set uh, yeah. so tracks. I'm I'm yeah, I it's get my titanium. It's really thin, so it's it's a really it's a really easy wear. It's the it's the only watch I have that if I'm sitting typing on on my computer, I don't eventually take it off because yeah. it's it's kind of driving me nuts. So it's uh yeah it's 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 really easy to wear. One one of the things that's unique about my dad that uh, I like to brag about is when, and he mentioned it vaguely, but when you go to these manufacturers 
Uh, and this is something that uh, other micro brands have run into. When you go to these manufacturers and you tell them you want to do something like 20 layers of loom or with our sport watch, uh, the ceramic ring, uh, they'll tell you no. And you can't do that. That's the end. Of, yeah, you can't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You yeah. can't do that. And you tell them why yeah. they can. Acrylic crystal is exactly. only yeah. good to yeah. 30 meters. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. yeah. That is exactly. the end of that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's he's in the unique position to where he has the background to say, no, you can, and this is how you do it, uh, where if you don't have that background, I, that that's the end. You're at a dead end. There's there's nothing you could do, it, it, because what can you do? So you're so bringing value to uh, manufacturers also. <laughs> you're, you're introducing yeah. technologies to them, like in processes, yeah. <laughs> really once, disrupting yeah. the industry in both directions. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so it happened I, many times. You, you know, we're we're talking a little bit about design. I think we're I think we're uh, I I think we're probably going to go a little long today, and that's, that's okay. Fine. That's okay it's because we're we're having fun. Uh, so if you guys need to go, just just press Hang close up. on yeah. Skype, and we'll we'll carry on. Uh, but I think it's uh, I think it's worth examining. You you've got two editions of the Diver. Uh, out out now you sold you sold a version and then you came back and you sold a substantially similar watch in in many respects with the mark ii uh but i think we can learn a lot about you guys your design process your priorities in talking about what changed between mark one and two i i i think that there's one really obvious change but but what else changed how are you staying true to the things you want to do but incorporating changes that you're thinking are, are important for ongoing uh, marketability? So I actually had this conversation with someone in an email uh, the day before yesterday. And the the thing that drives us for changes, when we design watches, uh, we design them for the most part internally, and we'll get uh, feedback on certain things. Uh, the bunker's somewhat of an exception. We, we got quite a bit of feedback for that one, and it, it paid off uh, immensely. But when we're changing a current design, we base that almost exclusively on customer feedback because ultimately uh, they are who we are making the watches for. And I have, uh, with the, the business background I have, one of the things they, they drill into you uh, incessantly, and one of the few things I actually uh, learned for, from my degree that I can actually apply in the field is it's really important to take care of your current customers. That should take precedence over gaining new customers. So when you get uh, when you get all these comments of what you should change, change this, change that, uh, which happens anytime, especially if you go on to a forum. Don't do that. Certain forums are, are more <laughs> notorious than others. And uh, yeah, I, I've been down that road once. And uh, Do you do the you date window lot. or do you not do the date window? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get a lot of feedback and it's, it's just safest to to take the feedback you get from your customers who have the watch, have it in hand, who, who are most invested in your brand, that's who we listen to. It's not to say we ignore feedback out on the general market. We don't. But 
if the customers say one thing and we're getting a complete opposite thing on uh, social media, we're, we're going to go with the customers every time. So because... what you're saying is if I want to make a change to your watch, first I need to buy one and then tell you. How <laughs> that, to... that is okay. what they're saying. Okay. Yes, that's what they're saying. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we, we made the changes with the Mark II. The square pattern wasn't it, it wasn't hated. Uh, it, it was hated by a lot on social media, but as far as customers go, it wasn't hated, but it wasn't really loved. No one, no one really commented on it. Uh, quite a few people said, I wish the dial was more sterile, more clean. And another thing we got was the access to the crown. Some customers said the crown's a little, it, it could be easier to unscrew and to grip. And another thing we got was uh, customers wish there was uh, micro adjustments or a ratcheting uh, system in the clasp. So that's that's exactly what we changed. So that that's that's what we do. Uh, it, so with the field watch, as of now, we're we're kind of at an impasse because it's we haven't really had any feedback yet. So with the diver. Uh, we we collect the feedback from our customers as it comes in, and uh, we we make our judgments based on that feedback. And that's why that's why we didn't change very much because customers love the bezel, so we didn't want to change anything with that. They love the loom. Uh, really, it was uh, it was that that square pattern on the dial. So, and we we don't want to change things so drastically that customers feel like well. Uh, now I could have had this. We, we don't. We don't ever want to make someone regret buying at the point they did. That, that's really important to us, and that's one of the reasons we let people know uh, before our uh, during our sport campaign that we did plan to release the bunker as well because we didn't. We didn't want people to go in on the sport watch, and then we release another watch down the road. So it's it's something that any decision we make will be centered around our customers. And, and that's and that experience, right? How the customer mm -hmm. feels about the brand, right? Whether yes. whether it's dishonest or whatever, people people form opinions about a company how they operate based on their experience with the transparency uh, of the information, especially today, right? Where it's mm -hmm. real-time assessments of of oftentimes, you know, years-long processes. And, and oftentimes yes. a totally innocuous thing like, oh, yeah, we didn't yes. announce it because we weren't ready to announce it, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, well speaking yeah. of not ready to announce it, uh, it, it, you know, we, we love we love any opportunity to be able to provide our listeners with sort of. Uh, insider information, anything you guys can tell us about these the, these watches that they might be expecting in the next year or so from you guys. Oh, look so, at Josh. Look at that oh, expression. Gosh. That's God, fantastic. I cannot wait to turn the I've been waiting. <laughs> you guys you know, Josh was very sensitive to his clientele, okay? And, uh, and I hear it, okay? I'm, I'm, very, I'm very protective. He's even blushing. <laughs> I've been working on that expression all night. We got it. Well done. So I, I want to be careful of, uh, of what we do announce. Uh, we do have a dress watch that is in the works that we're very excited about uh that will be coming this year as well as a size down diver that is Ooh. coming this year and uh, as far as unannounced things i i've told some people this who have who've reached out directly and asked uh but we do have 
it, it's a quartz, but it's going to be an option for those who who love the bunker but wish it was considerably smaller. But it also will be quartz, and that that kind of goes into we don't want to create something exactly the same but only slightly different for those that already purchase a watch and then we, we don't want anyone to have any regrets we never want that so yeah. that's that's also in the works you have my attention <laughs> <laughs> well well yeah, the, uh, the quartz watch we probably can say a couple of things with it so the loom will be it should be identical to the current bunker uh, it's probably going to be the field watch that weighs the least it's that, gonna, yeah, that, it's you, that you can purchase on the market. Crazy light. In fact, it, it's probably going to be, be less than an ounce. Yeah, it'll, it'll be, it's going to be really light. It's probably going to be less than an ounce. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's, it's challenging, but, uh, we, uh, we, we want to push the forefront in there so we can provide something that's technically advanced and people that buy it, they're going to be happy with it for, for quite some time. Yeah. And we're, we're excited because it's going to be, if everything goes to plan, it's going to be in a price range that uh, we haven't even come near yet. So uh, we'll be we'll be advertising to a whole new customer base because there, there seems to be in the micro brand space there. There's a hard three hundred dollar ceiling and a hard five hundred dollar ceiling. So yeah. it, it'll be the first time we get beneath that three hundred dollars uh, because there's. Uh, as surprising as it is to some people, there's a lot of people out there who have never spent more than $300 on a watch. So yeah, it'll, you it'll know, be that's our They, listen to, they yeah. listen to this show, right? Oh, they're, <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're the ones, they, they listen it, to us. It, it's, it's somewhat, uh, looking at that, I mean, I'm, I, I come from a, from a culture where you buy for sure one watch that is really nice, okay? And you'll, you won't have a problem spending... Uh, the first watch that I bought was a was a Rado Diastar, and Oof. I paid on a on the apprenticeship salary. I think about three or four monthly incomes on it. And it was it was, and I was proud of it. Uh, the American culture, uh, as a whole, got destroyed by uh, by the retail market, and is is somewhat resurrecting itself again now. Looking at you know, I want something that is nice, reliable, and uh, they're coming up with uh, looking at products as a whole that that are well over a hundred dollars again. But in the in the eighties and nineties, I mean, boy, come two thousand years uh, before Y two K, it was the average watch. What was it, thirty to fifty dollars? I mean, it was just it was. Uh, Back I can, when a I Rolex can was fifteen hundred dollars. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Steve, I've got uh, an aunt. Well, on my wife's side, we've got an aunt who is Swiss. And she she said to me one time, I can't remember the exact context of the conversation, but she said that uh, Americans, uh, Americans eat French fries and Swiss people <laughs> eat French fries, but Americans eat seven French fries at one time. There you go. <laughs> and we eat we eat seven French fries total, one at a time. Uh, right? Uh, it, it's a it's That's right. there's a different approach. There's a different approach there's to consumption. Yeah, you should There's eat seven French fries. <laughs> well, that's what I said. I eat seven of them. That's fantastic, right? Well, uh, you know, a lunch experience in the states is hum 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 hum, and let's let's get going. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, the drive-through uh, 
experience in Switzerland is is uh, it's just starting to come right now. I mean, it, yeah. it was just uh, if you go out for lunch, then uh, you shut the factory for an hour and a half, and you go and have lunch, and then you come back again. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> yeah, everything really is closed. It's uh, it's kind of uh, infuriating when you're over there because right at the time you want to go get something to eat or a snack at the store, because eating out over there it, it costs a fortune. And it's not it's not kid friendly at all. It's not like here where you can semi take your kids out to a meal if the kids let you. And right. over there, it's it's just <laughs> you you. It's really not conducive. It's it's a completely different uh, culture than we have here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so everything really does close at lunch, and it closes really early too. So we're we're kind of spoiled here. Yeah. <laughs> in what we have. Yeah, that's right. Always available. You, Josh, speaking of speaking of kids, so you've got you've got like seven kids, right, or twelve kids, thirteen. I, I am one more. I am one more set of twins away from seven kids. So you've just in the uh, you've that means got, you have more than one set of twins. You've got seven seven month old twins. Is that right? Seven month old twins. Yeah. So we had three, and then we had twins that jumped straight to five. So my uh, my life right now is exactly as you imagine it, and uh, <laughs> right now, okay, this is your best life. You're just hanging out, like we're drinking beer for you. This is good. This is the nicest yeah. night you've had in the last seven months. The alternative doesn't look this relaxing. Yeah, sleep, sleep. There, it's just even if the babies were to sleep through the night it's there's just too many kids for there not to be at least one or two of them waking up for something every night for some reason so yeah it's uh yeah it's it's exactly as you would expect uh, but it's it's still enjoyable you look really good given that you haven't <laughs> slept in 7 months yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah god i have two and that's enough well, unfortunately, you guys, we are going to break on the SWC talk for right now. Uh, obviously, so so give us real quick, give us your website. I think it's SWCUSA.com. Is that right? Yeah, SWCUSA.com. Uh, Instagram is SWUSA. And for those uh, on YouTube, we have a YouTube channel, Swiss Watch Company. And uh, that it's that it's more kind of the stuff we talk about here watch industry stuff i i do the best i can to share as much of my dad's knowledge as well as uh kind of give people uh, a, a look at how micro brands are actually run behind the scenes uh but th those are the best places to reach us really good nice andrew other things what do you got <laughs> i have another thing I knew you did. My other thing is an echo of your other thing from last week. WandaVision. It came very highly. No, shut up. Came very highly recommended from you. All right. I've watched it. I'm fully caught up. I don't know if your glowing review is warranted. It hasn't caught you, huh? No, I, I'm, I'm going to continue to watch it. It hasn't not caught me. But it's, I'm, I'm also going to give no spoilers because it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. The way they've done it is terrific. The imagery is really great. The, the cinematography is terrific. Everything's really good. I just don't know if I'm getting it. I just don't, maybe I'm not smart enough. Like that's a real option, right? Like there's a 90% no, chance it's, a it's just that I'm not it's, smart I, enough. I've known you for a long time. It's a possibility. But I, I, I feel like I fully understand it and I don't get it. 
but I'm going to keep watching it because of your glowing recommendation for the exact same thing that I've watched. <laughs> like, it's like we're watching this in tandem and you're saying, no, 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 it's really good. It's really good. You got to watch it. I'm like, okay, I don't, I watch it, but I don't, I don't get it. You know, you're the first person I've talked to though that has gotten to the point where you're at. So you're through five episodes we're, now. We're caught up. We're, we have literally watched exactly the same thing. You're really jacked about it. And I'm like, I don't really understand, you're but you're first, jacked about it. So I'm going to stay involved. It's peer pressure. You're I'm the first watching. person I've talked to that's at that point that isn't like, holy cow, this is getting really freaking good. So uh, I'm going to maintain my, my glowing recommendation. I'm sorry you're not having a You're going to enjoy those five hours, right? I've, I have at no point not enjoyed it, but I've also at no point really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really appreciate your contribution to the show. I'm just like perfectly medium about it. <laughs> well, so I've got another thing. It's Tell also me. it's also something you can watch. Uh, this is this is a sh- this is a movie. Okay, this is a movie. This is a movie I watched. I watched it last night. I did not expect to like it. Oh, it, <laughs> sounds familiar. It, I did not expect <laughs> to like it. Uh, it. It just wasn't interesting to me. So it's a movie with Steve Carell. Uh, it, it's made by John Stewart. I was going to say, it says John Stewart next to your notes. You might have. Steve Carell is in it. John Stewart is not. Uh, and when you watch the trailers, it looks like a small town political campaign movie, which is precisely what it is. And it's so much more. It's so much more. So I would say none of the acting is particularly phenomenal. However, Steve Carell is at his best. So good Steve Carell is very good. Uh, the, the storyline, y- you get about two thirds of the way through and the storyline's like, okay, this is a little, uh, a little nothing burger, right? Cause it's, it's kind of predictable until it's not. And then, and then once you realize what's happened, the whole movie is so amazing. It, it's a political commentary. It's really well done. It's nonpartisan in the way I think you might be expecting when you hear a John Stewart political movie. It is not what you're expecting. Uh, it's just fantastic. And I don't want to tell you anything else about it. You can watch the trailers. It'll tell you anything I would tell you about it. But And they'll do a better job. Small Town, Chris Cooper, Steve Carell. Lovely, lovely movie. Where can I watch it? I think we watched it on Amazon. Amazon Prime. I think it was Prime. We didn't pay for it. I don't I was believe. Say, if you rented it, then I'm not going to. It, it was either on Netflix or Amazon, but we didn't pay for it. Okay. That's mm. important. Yeah. All right. All right. And it's called Small Town? No, it's called Irresistible. 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 Okay. That's right. That's right. So either one, Josh, Steve, other things, what do you got? You know, well, I I had one thing, but uh, now you now but I'm Andrew thinking maybe, <laughs> maybe I want to share a show that I really like. <laughs> uh, so a, a thing, a thing I really enjoy, and this is it's going to be a little weird. It's not for everybody, but uh, <laughs> I I have I have this this kind of weird thing with uh, with homesteading, which which include, and he he's gonna he's gonna laugh. He's laughing right now. He knows it's coming. <laughs> I. I uh, I have uh, I have this thing where I I like to raise uh, animals like chickens, turkeys. I heard I've heard about the the egg apron. Yes. So okay. I if that tells you anything, people <laughs> when they get me gifts, they'll get me um, they'll get me chicken stuff. 
because I, I it's not it's not uh, that uncommon to where I find myself talking about chickens in uh, just about any scenario. I'm <laughs> yeah, in. me too. I, 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 look look at me right now talking about chickens. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's a uh, that's a thing. I uh, yeah, I, I like having chickens. Who else was raising chickens? Was it uh, seals? He had the bucket load of chickens. Michael Seals. Yeah, Michael Seals had chickens too. You'd be really surprised. There's by, quite a few. By and he's doing people. that in like San Diego. Yeah. So, <laughs> so the thing, the thing you need to know about chickens is there's no gray area. It, either, either you have chickens and you're all about chickens, or they're just not an interest to you. So you'd be amazed at the people who who are into chickens. It's it's weird. Yeah, I mean, we're both from Portland, right? So it, it, it's not that weird to us, right? Have you seen this show, Portlandia? I have not. No. It's real life. So if yeah, you there, want to watch there's it, a show called oh, Portlandia. Really? There's a show called Portlandia. It, it's uh, a farce. It, it's it's satirical. Yeah. It's satirical, <laughs> but it's so accurate that it's amazing. Uh, uh, you, you know, the very first episode of Portlandia, I believe, episode one, season one, episode one, they go to this uh, farm-to-table restaurant, and there's this whole vignette about wanting to know the chicken, who they're going to eat's name, like they have adoption paperwork. <laughs> I mean, uh, two, right. So, two, two real-life anecdotes about that. I grew up with free-range ducks in my backyard. We had like 30 of them. Anecdote two, uh, I worked at this restaurant. In the, in the city of Portland. Yeah, in city limits. Oh, I, in the city. I, oh, yeah, oh. no, full city, full city limits. Uh, I worked at this restaurant uh, while I was in college, and um, we would have... Uh, it's a quote-unquote French restaurant. It is a quote-unquote French restaurant, um, but we would nightly have a wheel of cheese that could accompany your desserts. That cheese had a name. That name was attributed to the cow from which the milk came from to produce said cheese. Yeah. So they do the same thing in Switzerland. Right? So it's not but weird they there. add the yeah. farmer to it, the cow and the farmer, oh. or the chicken and the farmer. And pictures or of the them standing together. And the, and, and, yeah. And, yeah. It, yeah. It's just... <laughs> See, I need I need to do that because there there was a time when we had so many eggs, we did have to sell them locally. And uh, so that, you know, that's something to think about. Yeah, we're familiar. So, can, so yeah, no, the, the, the sentiment's not lost on us. That, that's good to hear because I, I never know when I throw it out there, uh, you know, I, I get uh, a pretty wide range of responses to uh, to that. What the hell Usually is wrong positive. with you? Yeah. Versus, so, oh, that's so cool. The, yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> exactly. Steve, other things, what do you got? <clears throat> I might I might have the gothic thing here. My uh, my uh, father-in-law, he approached me a couple of weeks ago or three weeks ago and he said, jeez. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he, he had these logs in his backyard, you know. He, he, he's the guy he he he, he gets wood for all of the senior citizens that don't have enough money to fire their their uh, their stove in the winter, so they can have a warm winter, so he's he getting firewood. He's getting firewood. Is, he, is... He's getting firewood about fifty yeah. cord a winter, okay? And he's almost eighty years old, okay? The guy is nuts. So his idea was about three weeks ago or so. I'm gonna build myself a coffin. Totally reasonable. <laughs> totally reasonable. If you're chopping 50 cords of wood a winter at 80, yeah, so that's a, it's a good thing. He shows thing. me these cedar posts and he said, can I cut these things so he can build himself a coffin? And I started cutting 
cedar posts. Uh, oh, you are doing it. it. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so, I can see him. I can see him out the window. I just kind of put my headphones on and just kind of hunkered down behind my It was computer. quite the experience. So we're about 20, 30% into it right uh, by... Yeah, by the standard of the coffin size we're looking at, but uh, it's it's going to be the experience building your own coffin. Okay. Yeah, I planed the boards today at uh, my father-in-law's wood shop, so it's it. This is happening. It's it's happen. It's a, a happening thing. It well, takes, we'll have it, to do a post on. When it's yeah, done. it takes a it, it takes really a village, nice. and in this case, the entire village. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and here it's honestly not that crazy of a thing. It's uh, he's not the first one to do it. So he's he's the first one to harvest his own wood, though, because he can never, it, it can never be just normal. <laughs> it has to be to the extreme with him. That's incredible. So <laughs> this is my other thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm not sure what the other thing is. I'm having trouble thinking of how it's I'm really gonna, good. How I'm gonna I know link that much. this other thing. <laughs> Yeah, no, I there's no gonna, link. I'm just going to link coffin building. There you go. <laughs> That's oh. good stuff. I like that. Okay, you guys, Steve, Josh, really just a ton, ton of thanks uh, uh, for, for joining us. You, you know, we did recently, Will reviewed the Mark II Diver on the website, so there'll be a link to that, uh, as well as we made a, a Will made a, a wonderful, as he does, YouTube video Shocking. with great with great macros. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, so, he's really talented with that. It's he, amazing. He's fantastic. Yeah. So there'll be a link to all of that in the show notes. Uh, if you want to check these guys out online, swcusa.com or on Instagram, swcusa. Anything you guys want to say before we get going today? Just uh, thanks for having us. And uh, to anyone listening, I mean, our channels are always open. If you want to reach out, one of the nice things about micro brands is uh, the, the communication is always there. So always feel free to reach out, email, uh, any of the social media channels, and uh, you'll get an answer. Joshua's good in answering immediately. <laughs> uh, appreciate that we were able to be on the show here. Thanks a bunch. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming. Having. Thanks, you guys, so much. Andrew, anything you want to add before we go? Nah. Hey, thanks you guys for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast. It's been really fun. Check us out on Instagram, at 40 and 20, at the Watch Clicker. You can also check us out online, watchclicker.com. That's where we post every episode of the show, all of the reviews, articles, everything you hear about. If you want to support us, patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we pay for all this stuff, hosting and microphones, etc. And don't forget to tune back in next Thursday for another hour of watches, Food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>